0: If you have your Bible this afternoon, go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 7. The book of Acts is famous for its emphasis on go, but it's not as famous for its emphasis on no. Think about how the book of Acts starts in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Jesus pretty much gives a blueprint and he says you start in Jerusalem and you go to Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And that's exactly what the apostles do. And in Acts chapter 9, Saul, we might argue the greatest evangelist in the first century, is converted to Christianity fire. He begins to cover the known world. In fact, the last half of the book of Acts, chapter 13 through chapter 28, is largely about his life and his evangelistic endeavors. You get to chapter 16 and he has a new crew. He picks up a new team. It's now Silas, Paul, and he picks up young Timothy. And in Acts chapter 16 and verse 5, there's one of these summary statements that Luke gives us that the church was growing and being strengthened as the word of God was spreading everywhere. And you might assume that the very next thing you're going to read about is more gospel proclamation and in- But that's not what we have. Paul and his companions want to go through Phrygia and Galatia, and they want to go to Asia, but they're told no. And then the next verse says they want to go to Bithynia, which is the northern tip of Asia and northwest Asia Minor. And the spirit of Jesus says, no, they can't go. And so they reroute. They come to Mysia. They go to Troas and actually They're able to go to Philippi and preach the gospel. Now, there's a lot of puzzling things in in this text, but one of the most astounding is that Paul was doing God's will, spreading the gospel, going to different places to preach the word of God. And God tells him, no, not once, but twice. Check it again in verse six. He says, no, you can't go to Asia to preach. And then in verse seven, he says, you can't go to Bithynia and preach. And we Scratch our heads, not to mention how did God communicate no to Paul? And what about the mysterious man or the Macedonian call in verses nine through ten? There's a lot to unpack here that may trouble us and confuse us. Why would God tell a man no that wanted to do what was right? How do we reconcile? What does it mean for us? But we don't need to despair because for all of the challenging things in this text principles for us in our own lives, not only about evangelism, but just our lives collectively, that'll help us to be the people God would have us to be. Before our singing tonight, I want to give you just five brief things to keep in mind in your life and in my life. How do we keep moving forward when God says no? We put a lot of emphasis on what God wants us to do and how to go forward. But you've had plans before. You've prayed about them and maybe they've even been good and godly things. And sometimes for reasons us. God closes those doors. How do we keep moving forward? No. Five brief lessons. Number one, learn to accept no. The first man God created had a problem with no, and it ruined the world. You remember God said, "Of all the trees of the garden, you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, no." Genesis two sixteen and seventeen. Adam wanted it though, and he and Eve did. What they chose to do, and as a result, there were consequences. If we're going to be God's servants, we've got to learn to say no. Some people can't take this, and so when God says no to them, they eventually say no to God. But favorite people in all of Scripture heard no from about good things. You know, Moses was a great man. He made one mistake, struck the rock in Numbers 20 and verse 12, and God said, you're not going to the promised land. He begged God over and over again. And in Deuteronomy 3, 26, God says, no, Moses, and we're not talking about this again. Don't ask anymore. No, you can't go. David wanted to build the tabernacle for God. First Chronicles 22, 16 and 18, a temple for God. That's a great endeavor. If God would be worshiped there, it was to glorify him and not David. And God said, no, thanks, David. You, you can't build the temple. And you could think about Paul and the thorn in the flesh in 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. He begged God three times. Maybe Paul thought, I'd be a better servant of God if God could just remove this, this thorn. And God says, no. And Jesus in the Gethsemane, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prays if there's any other way. And God tells him, no. If we're going to be the people that God wants us to be, we have to. There's nothing wrong with asking why God's not anti our curiosity, but we've got to submit to God and say, whatever God desires, whatever God wants from me, that's what I'm going to do. God honors people who just respect him for being God. Isaiah 66 and verse two, he says, I honor those who tremble at my word when God says learn to accept it we will be. be." There's an article why it's healthy to tell your children. No. In the article, they don't say anything about grandparents telling children. No, because grandparents don't believe in that. But for parents, they say, look, it's healthy for you to tell your children. No. And it's healthy for Christians. You read throughout the book of Acts and what you find is Jesus communicating to Paul verbally. In Acts nine, he says, you're going to be a witness to me. In Acts 18 in Corinth, he says, you're going to be my witness. And I have much people in this city. You've seen Jerusalem, but you will also see Rome, Acts 23, 27. And then in Acts 27, 23, he says to Paul, you're going to be saved and all the people on this ship. Why, what does that have to do with God telling Paul no here? It is to say throughout the book of Acts, we may get the idea that Paul sort of doing his own thing. He's a manager, a boss, a CEO calling his own shots, doing his own thing. And instances like the one we find in Acts 16 are reminded us that Paul was not in control. Paul was taking orders from somebody else. And we are, too. I don't know all of the reasons why God told Paul. No, but perhaps one of them is just to remind Paul of who's ultimately in charge. Paul doesn't go where Paul wants. He doesn't call his own shots. He does what Jesus says. All authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. Matthew twenty-eight eighteen. And it's true about Paul. It's true about us. Number two. When God says no, if we're going to be God's servant, how do we keep going forward when God tells us? No, we've got to look for the Lord's direction. Paul and his companions, they let God direct their steps and order them to the places that God wanted them to go. And you and I learn to do the same thing. Look for God's direction. A good man's steps are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his ways. Psalm 37 and verse 23. Many are the plans of a man, but the Lord directs his steps. Proverbs 16 and verse 9. We often make many good plans, things that are good. What Paul wants to do in Acts 16 is a good thing, but he lets God direct his steps. God is the one that's totally in control, and you and I have to learn how to accept that even when God says no. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. and all your ways, acknowledge and he'll direct your paths. What if God knows better? What if what God wants is not only to give us something good, but to give us something better to appreciate God's knows, We've to learned to accept God's direction for our lives and let him order our steps and direct our course and point us in the direction that ultimately he would have us to go. Here's something to think about with your plans, your life. And I'll think about it for mine. How often do you use this phrase? If the Lord wills. You know, it's a biblical phrase. In fact, James says in James 4, for this reason, we should say if the Lord wills, James 4, 15, not just think it. Sometimes we just think, well, I know God's totally in control. No, the Bible says it's not enough to process it intellectually. It's got to come out of our mouths. And that phrase is found throughout the New Testament, especially when people are making travel plans. Acts 18, verse 21, Paul says, I plan to do X if God permits. It's in 1 Corinthians 16, 7, where Paul says, we're got, I've got plans to come to you, and Apollos and Timothy has plans, but we're only going to do it if the Lord wills, if God permits. It's in Hebrews 6 and verse 3, as he talks about spiritual maturity, and he says, we'll go forward from this if the Lord wills. I remember when I was raising support to go to preaching school, and there was a man who encouraged me in Daytona, his name was Robert. Washington. and I went to his house. His mom was sick and I would go visit and talk with him sometimes. And he was a spiritual mentor to me. And I was lamenting the fact that, man, I don't know if I'm going to be able to go to preaching school. I'm I've got this amount of money that I've got to raise and I'm about this short and I'm hoping to do this. And he finally stopped me one day and he would just call me by my last name. He would say Kemp, And he said, Kemp, you know, you're talking a lot about what I'm going to do and what I'm going to do. And what I. he said, what happened to if the Lord wills, what happens to God's plans or what God wants to do? You see, it's something to humble ourselves and to accept the Lord's direction that maybe our plans are not God's plans. People that say if the Lord wills, they realize that it is not always the case that our will aligns with God. And people that don't say that phrase, they assume that their will always aligns with God's will. And if he decides to change plans, surely he wouldn't do it without telling them first. But that's not the case. He does whatsoever he wills. And learning to accept the Lord's direction helps us to we know that God knows best. Now here's number three. I know Grant said that stuff about, but he meant after the preaching too. He said after the singing, but he meant after the lesson too. Number three, learn to appreciate God's providence. The simplest definition I could give of providence is this. Through the natural workings of everyday life without violating the free will of those involved. Is God accomplishing his will through the ordinary events of human life without violating the free will of those involved. God doesn't work in miraculous measures today. But if we learn to appreciate providence, we can accept even when God tells us no. We can look back with gratitude on the things that God has done. Providence can only be appreciated in hindsight. But think about some of the occasions of providence in the Bible that changed the world. Joseph told his brothers, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. In fact, in Genesis 45, he said, in Genesis forty-five five, Genesis forty-five seven, and forty-five eight, God sent me before you to preserve life. It was God's doing, and not the brothers. Mordecai, Esther, maybe you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this, and the world, was... the Jews. It was providence that caused just so happened to be what are the chances that the most powerful woman in the world just so happens to be going by the Nile River as Moses just so happens to be going up the same river at the very same time. What are the chances? What are the odds? The longer you walk with Jesus Christ, the less we see coincidences in our lives and the more we see Christ really orchestrating everything and he's the one that's in charge and we learn to accept no because we realize God's providential care the really is true. all things do work good to those that love God and are the called according to His purpose. The next time God tells you you know, about a business venture, about someone maybe you thought was Mr. or Miss Wright, who you thought you wanted to marry, or even a spiritual thing, you say, "God, I really could bless you if you gave me this job and this promotion. I would be a better Christian and I could be better serve in the kingdom. I know you really want this and God says no, a few questions to consider. number one. How many times have I been wrong before about what? Number two, how will this decision look, even if God says no, in a few days or in a few years or from eternity's perspective? Number three, when has God ever led me astray? When has God ever led me astray or ever done me wrong? Providence allows us to look back. And as we learn to appreciate it, we learn Mark 737. He really does do all things well. And we learn to trust him even when he says no. Appreciating the providence of God in our lives helps us to keep moving forward. Even here's number four. I believe it was Mark Twain who said most people don't recognize opportunity when it knocks because it's dressed up in overalls and looks like work. We don't really want to do what God. Listen, companions there don't But then in verse 10, after the Macedonian call that we all think about, the text says we realized immediately that God called for us to preach the gospel to those in Macedonia and they went. How do you move forward? No appreciate all the doors that are already opened around you and say yes to those things. Sometimes people say, if I got this promotion at work, I know life would really go my way. Things would really go well. What are you doing with what you have? Degree, God, if you could just get through this, why do I have to keep taking this class? What are you doing with the knowledge you already have? And if I yes to a Bible study, I know for a. That this would lead to great things and that would be great. But if God keeps closing that door to the study, can't be arranged. What are we doing with the people that are right in front of us that we might very well be overlooking? What Paul and his companions show us is this. We can keep moving forward even when God. Oh, when we learn to walk through the doors that are already open to launch out when God says, yes, Ruth didn't wait to meet Boaz. She said, you know, Naomi, I'm just going to the field. Her persistent spirit met God's providence and opportunity and great things happen. Nehemiah and his companions, they just, 4, 6, and great things just happened. It changed and changed the history of God's people. Jesus said, don't say there yet four months and then comes the harvest. Look out on the fields. They're white already to harvest out into the doors that are already open. That's what Paul and his companions did. You know, it's interesting. He wants to go to Bithynia. God says, no, you can't go. Paul goes where God sent him. And you. We read in first Peter, chapter one, and verse one, there's a church in Bithynia. Christians are already there. One of the things that Paul hated to do was to preach the gospel where it had already been named Romans 15 and verse 20. And perhaps God told Paul, no, because if Paul, Silas and Timothy had gone all that way to Bithynia and found there was already a church there, nobody would have been more frustrated than Paul. Maybe the no was saving Paul from Paul. And so when the door was open, he took it. Now, here's the fifth and final. How do we keep moving forward when God says no? We've got to learn how to look back with gratitude. We've only got two minutes to do this, but turn your Bible to the book of Philippians. Hold your hand in Acts 16 and turn your Bible to the book of Philippians. Look back with gratitude. You know, this is impressive to me. It is the case potentially that the man who wrote about the no in Acts 16 met Paul because God told him no. In Acts 16 and verse 11 very first time in the book of Acts, you read of the wee passage, the wee passages in the book of Acts, which means Luke, who's writing this probably met Paul in Troas. If God would have said yes to Beth- or yes to Asia, Luke, and what would we have been robbed of? Acts, the detailed historic account of Jesus's birth in the book of Luke. Paul says, hey, God told me no. But in verse 11, he meets Luke and our lives have been changed for. It. But not only that, God told Paul no. And Paul ends up the Philippians have blessed your life and my life because Paul wrote this book. Paul says in Philippians 1 and verse 3, I thank God upon every remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for you all making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. We worry about the no to Bithynia and Asia, but Paul was in rapture with God's yes to the Philippians passages like I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me rejoice in the Lord always. And what's the rest of it? And again, I say rejoice. My God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Jesus. Or don't worry about anything. Pray about everything down through the centuries. And until Jesus comes again, Christians lives will be encouraged by those words. And if God would have never told Paul, no, there probably would have been a book of Philippians. Somebody says, well, wait a minute. God could have inspired Paul to those words about another church. Maybe he could have, but he didn't. He wrote it where he had Paul to write it for a reason and for the purpose that he had Paul to write it. And our lesson from that is this. We never know all the time what God is up to, but it's always something good. God told Paul no so that he could tell the Philippians, yes, and there'll be a lady in heaven by the name of Lydia and a Philippian jailer. That'll be eternally grateful that he did. We learn to look back on our lives with gratitude. Not only that, Paul's no was the Philippian yes. But as you've been discouraged and as you've been frustrated and as you've been disappointed and have turned to the book of Philippians over and over again for encouragement and for to rejoice, it's been a yes for us, too. Sometimes God says no, we don't always know why it's the case, but God. You need to respond to the invitation, never let God's nose cause you to say no to him. Maybe you need to submit to him or maybe we can help you. We're going to stand and sing song of encouragement. If you need to respond to the invitation this afternoon. But now as together we stand and as we sing.